0: I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you be seated this morning. I've got quite a bit of reading to do. I'm going to let you be seated. Let's go to, uh, let's go back to to the first Kings if we could do that. i feel the Holy Ghost is trying to work us through something here. Let's go to first Kings if you would. Join me, first Kings. And uh, we're going to go to the 19th chapter. Let's do that. First Kings chapter 19 and verse number 9 is where I would like to begin. This is where in the story, uh, for the sake of context, I'd like to pick up here where Elijah is running from Jezebel, which obviously in this uh, story, Jezebel is a woman, is a physical woman. Uh, she is a human being. However, the spirit of manipulation that is functioning in Jezebel is still uh, active in the end time church for in the book of Revelation John makes reference to allowing Jezebel to speak and teach in the church and having freedom so my point to you very simply is that uh, there are some things that the church is going to contend with until the coming of the Lord and so the point that I want to be crystal clear to you today is that we cannot allow intimidating spirits of this hour to cause our work to cease because the glory of God that weighs on the church is by far more powerful than any spirit of this age that would try to stop us. If I could say it to you uh, in an easy way today, we will win if we'll stay the course. You believe that, shout, Amen. Amen. So, uh, in nineteen and nine of First Kings, Elijah came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel. Have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth, stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. Everybody say, the Lord passed by. Behold, the Lord passed by. The great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces of rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, I love this, there was a still, small voice. Now this is important 13 and it was so that when Elijah heard it when he heard the still small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle He took his garment and he wrapped his face and he went out and stood in the entry of the cave and behold there came a voice unto him that said to him What are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord tells him in fast forward that you're getting ready to go find someone to take that mantle you've covered your face with and put it on him. His name is Elisha, and you're going to go find him. We're going to pick up in verse 19. So he departed thence. He found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle he just had this mantle on his face he takes the mantle and cast it upon him now i want you to understand how this works this says elijah passed by him and cast the mantle and then the very next verse said and he left the oxen and ran after elijah why is this important Because Elijah did not come stand by him in the field. Throw the mantle on him and stand there to see what the answer would be. You understand what I'm saying? Elijah didn't come down, throw the mantle on there and stand there with his hands in his pockets, staring at him. Saying, okay, son, what are you going to do with it? Elijah passes by him, throws the mantle on him and never looks back. He keeps moving. And it was as if with the casting of the mantle... He was asking a question to Elisha. How bad do you want this? How bad do you want this? I want to ask this church today, how bad do you really want it? How bad do you want it? We are a people that speaks often of a move of God, of revival. We speak often of God rending the heavens and sending power and authority. And we say things when we pray, the big things, big things. God... Stretch your hand through this earth Reveal the wickedness Let your power be manifested Let your glory be manifested How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it today? Can we pray, Master? We need you today to speak in this room God, I believe that you have spoken to my heart I believe you have I believe there is a word that you have for your people today And I pray, Master, that your will would be accomplished Nothing short Nothing more. Let your will be accomplished in this house today. God, let every high place be brought down and every low place be brought up and every crooked place be made straight that the word of God would be received in good soil today. Hide me behind your cross and let it happen in the name of Jesus and let the church say amen. amen. This, is, uh, this is perhaps one of the most weighty moments in prophetic history in the scripture. At first glance, it appears as though it is the simple passing uh, of a prophet walking by a young man who's working in the field, and he throws his mantle on him, and and we look at it. Well, you know, somebody was going to have to take his place. Somebody was going to have to do the work. We know that Elijah is not far now from the end of his life, and he's been through a lot. God's done a lot with him. But I want to tell you that uh, wherever the work of God is being done in the earth, God's always going to have somebody to do it. And God has a way of working. He has a way. If you if you go back from the beginning of, of time in the kingdom of God and you begin to look for things from uh, from David to Solomon, from Saul to David, you work backwards in history, God is always going to have somebody to, to fill the shoes, get the job done. You go from Elijah to Elisha. God will always have somebody. In the New Testament, when Judas... Falls down and he makes a mistake and he uh, decides that it would be better for him to not live. By the very first chapter of the book of Acts, they're they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because God's going to have a man. They're going to replace that. God's going to have a man that's going to work. Why am I saying that? Because in this hour that we live in right now, there are none of us that can ever get the feeling that God can't do this without me. Listen, I, I, I know people don't like this kind of teaching, but it's real. We say things when we pray like, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. God, whatever you want to do, use me, Lord. But we will literally walk away from relationships of people because they use us. Why'd you leave them? Because they used me. What does that mean? That means at times it feels unfair. It means at times it's more expensive than really what you wanted to pay. And they use you. So when we're saying, God, use me, what we're saying is, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, and whenever you're finished doing it, you're still in control. And so Elijah is at a place in his ministry now where he's seen God do many mighty things, and, and he, he goes to a cape. Listen, I'm telling you that this is my opinion. I'm not basing doctrine on this. I don't believe, in my opinion, I don't believe that Elijah went into that cave to come back out. I believe Elijah was tired. I believe he was fed up. I believe he was sick of fighting the fight. And he was going to go in the cave and lay in that cave. And if the Lord didn't provide for him, he was going to lay right there in that cave until he died and say, I died in the will of God. But there was a uncomfortable voice that came to him in the midst of his confusion and his relaxation and his giving up in his spirit of res- resignation and said, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this cave? He said, well, Lord, I've done your will. I've done everything I know to do. He said, what are you doing here? He said, come out here and let me talk to you. And he took the mantle that he had used. Here's the issue. If I could paint the picture for you like this, I want this to be clear. And I want to get where I'm going quickly today. Had Elijah stayed in the cave and died with his mantle on, there would have been no mantle to cast on Elisha. We cannot afford selfishness in the end time hour with people that get weary and say, Lord, I'm just going to lay here and die or lay here and wait on your coming. Oh no, there is a generation of power and authority that's coming behind us. There are mantles that are needed. I feel like telling somebody in this house to get up from where you are. God didn't call you to die in that cave. God didn't call you to stay in that cave. Come out of that cave. I'm preaching to somebody in here today that's been dealing with conversations in your mind that you never dreamed that you would have. If there's anything I know about the current state of our world right now, it makes people ask questions they never dreamed they would ask. But I pray this often. Matter of fact, I was praying it early this morning. If God would have wanted me to pastor in the first century, that's when I would have been born. But God put his hand on me and called me to pastor in 2021. And God called you to be in the house of God and in the kingdom of God in 2021. You weren't born so that God could fail you. You were born so that you could see the glory of God manifested in this hour. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying it's time for the church to come out of the cave and see what God's going to do. I want it to be absolutely clear today that I have no intention as a part of the church of the living God to go lay down in a cave and shut my mouth and be quiet and draw my feet up in the bed. I want to come out of that cave today and let the world know that our God is greater. Our God is more powerful. our God. There is nothing too hard for our God. Come out of the cave. I've had had people over the last several months that have had conversations that seem quite odd, to be honest with you, people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, but it's been dark conversations that have had thoughts of taking my life, never had that before, thoughts of ending it all. You know what that is? It's a Jezebel spirit trying to drive you in a cave. It's that spirit that's on Elijah that says, well, the world will be better off without me, I guess. And it drives you into a cave, but there's a problem, Elijah. While you're in that cave, there's a mantle on you, and somebody's waiting on that mantle. If you lay there and die in that cave, there's a boy in Sherefat that will never feel the power of the mantle that's resting on you. tell y'all what's dangerous I'm going to tell y'all what's dangerous is for us in the end time to quit speaking the old fashioned language It's a danger for us to quit talking about the power of God and the glory of God. I feel like telling you tonight. There ought to be more testimonies than there's ever been about the goodness of the Lord right now. There's a world that's lost and died. They don't need to know how terrible the world is. They can see that with their own eyes. They need to know how good God is. Well, but I'm I'm a little afraid, Pastor. I'll be honest. I'm a little afraid. I've got... A spirit of fear on me like I've never had in my life. Can I tell you again respectfully today what it is? It's the spirit of Jezebel. Why does Jezebel want Elijah to stay in the cave? Because even Jezebel knows that when Elijah comes out of the cave that the prophetic can't be silenced. And even when God is finished with Elijah there's going to be another generation that's going to pick up that mantle and go. I don't ever want to stop telling my kids about the miracle signs and wonders I've seen. I'm telling you today elders, there's got to be something in us that loves to tell the story about the goodness of the Lord. Don't ever stop testifying. Don't ever stop teaching. Don't ever stop preaching. It's been many years. It's been many years since I've spoke of it publicly, but uh, there was a time in my life that I really thought my life was going to look way different than it does today, and uh, we had one, one daughter, we had Lauren, and then my wife got pregnant again for a second child, which we lost uh, early in the pregnancy, my wife lost the baby, and when she did, please don't think that, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be crude at all today when I tell you this, it's medically what happened that when she passed the baby, there was a very large blood clot that held her cervix open, and my wife didn't know what was going on. she, she just thought maybe something happened in her body when she passed the baby, and she was literally bleeding to death. My wife was dying, and we didn't even know what was going on. And so uh, you, you know, my mother's in an RN, we, we took her home, was watching her. Uh, everything was okay, and my wife said she had to go to the bathroom, so she, she got up, and I helped escort her to the restroom, and I set her down there on the commode, and when I did. Her face just fell forward in, into my chest. I was standing there trying to hold her up. And her face fell forward into my chest. And, and so uh, I, I said, baby, are you okay? You know, I'm, I'm trying not to freak. Baby, are you okay? And, and I, laid, I, I went to lay her head back. And when I did, she just fell back in, into the corner. And her pupils were set. And and she turned that gray color. It was weird. There was nothing going on in her body. Absolutely lifeless. Just just laying there against the wall, sitting on the commode, completely lifeless. And so I I said, oh oh God, what am I going to do here? You know, I'm, I'm trying to keep my cool. These are the moments we've preached about before, but it's hard when you're living it, you know. And so I, I, my mom, I'm like, well, mom's a nurse. Everything will be all right. I said, mother, can can you please come in here? And she said, what is it, honey? I said, mom, please please come in here. And she opens up the bathroom door and and she calls. She's always called my dad Saint. You know, she, she uh, opened the door. She said, Saint, call the ambulance. TJ's dead. I said, oh, God, this that's not what I wanted to hear, Mom. And my mom goes into ER mode and grabs her body and... Drags her out in the floor, starts putting pillows under her hind end, trying to elevate her, get blood back to her heart, do, doing sternum rubs, everything she can. And I look up, I'm I'm in the middle of the entryway of my mom and dad's house on the floor with my lifeless wife there and my mom doing whatever nurses do all over. I'm just waiting on her to say, you know, breathe in her mouth or do something, do. And I look up and there's my little one-year-old curly-headed daughter staring at me, and I heard this voice. In that cave that said you're going to raise her all by yourself. I heard the voice come to me in the cave. And say, you're going to be a single daddy and you're going to raise her by yourself. I said, oh God, I refuse that. I'm looking at a gray, lifeless woman with her pupils set, laying on the floor. I'm thinking, God, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, I felt that assurance. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't a whirlwind. It was that still, small voice that said, I got a feeling everything is going to be all right. And if you don't believe in it, you can go somewhere else. But I'm going to tell you at that moment, I felt the angel of the Lord slip into that room and stand by me. And all of a sudden, there was life. It came into my wife. Her pupils dilated. She sat up, sweat beat it up on her lip. She said, what happened? I could tell you the whole rest of the story. I'll give you the short version. We took her, they took her by ambulance to the hospital. She had lost so much blood. When they got there, when, they, when the ambulance got there, they could not even get a blood pressure reading on her. She did not have enough blood in her body to get a blood pressure reading. They said, we can't get anything. And so their measure, they stuck a 16 in her arm, said we're going to give her a transfusion, get some blood in her. We got to hurry. They wouldn't let me ride with them. So I'm following them, and of course I obeyed the speed limit and went through every r- r- green light that I could. And, uh, and, and I got there, my dad said, dear God, don't kill us, son, don't kill us. We don't need us, we, uh, let's go. And so I, I get there, they take her around the backside uh, of the hospital, and, the, and I walk in the front. And that's when we were still free to do that. And, and I walked into the hospital, and, and, and I went in there, Brother Haney... And the double door swung open. I walked in there to the room on the left, and I looked up, and there's this beautiful woman sitting there. Looks just like my wife. Yeah. Sitting up in the bed, smiling. The nurse comes in and she goes, She didn't even have enough blood for us to get a blood count. Like we like this is this is insane. So they come back in, they start measuring. Keep in mind the problem's still there, cervix is wide open. They start taking vitals. They're like, man, her vitals are looking really good. They're like, wow, her blood count's coming up. So they take her in triage to take care of the problem, get the clot out, find out what's going on, to get it all, all fixed, take her back in there. About 30 minutes later, the lady comes over, and she's like, hey, she looks really good. She's doing great. Her blood count's, I'm talking about miraculously, while blood was leaving her body, blood was building in her body. It was building in her body. And, and she, this woman used to work with my mom. She said, Judy, I. I think she's okay if, if it's all right with you, if, you, if you're okay with it, I'm going to send her home with you, and, and uh, you can keep an eye on her if you all get scared, bring her back in, whatever, but, but I think she's okay to go home. Well, this was Sunday afternoon, and so we got home, and we got home just in time for me to change my britches and, and come back for the second service at 6 o'clock. And so I, I walked out, and there's my wife sitting in the living room of my mom and dad's house sipping hot tea. You feeling all right, baby? Yeah, I'm good. I said, okay, I'm going to church. I'll be home in just a little bit. And I, I got to church, and I, I was standing on the, uh, behind the keyboard. And Bishop stands up in church, and uh, he's taking prayer requests, and everybody starts praying. And the Lord spoke to me standing at that keyboard. He said, if you'll tell of the miracle that I performed for you today, I'll perform many in your midst tonight. I said, okay, Lord. So here I am, keep in mind, I'm not the senior pastor at that time. That was Big Daddy. <laughs> so I slip up there behind my dad, and he's, you know, he's up there praying, and I'm like, Dad, God just gave me a word. And because the heart that he has, he never questioned it. The church said, Amen, and he said, The Lord has a word for us. He turned and handed me the microphone. And I said to the church at that moment, I said, "God performed a miracle for my family today. My wife died on the floor, but I went through the whole deal." And you can feel faith beginning to build. And the Lord said that if we would tell the miracle that He performed today, He would perform many in our midst tonight. And I, I watched. I, I, I wish so bad that we would have had video back then, because I watched as Helen Miller stood up. I, I, I watched as he. These people who'd been sick in their bodies stood up and start. And when they would step out, literally, they would step out from where they were sitting into the middle aisle, and you could just see the Holy Ghost rest on them. You just. See the Holy Ghost settle down on them. And boom, 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 one after the other. God began to perform miracles that doctors said, Oh, we, we don't know what happened. I said, I know what happened, but here's the issue. This is what I want to tell you right now. I'm not glorying in what I went through. I'm glorying in the fact that there are some miracles that our children never need to forget. They We need to live in a generation that says come out of the cave and let your children know that your God is mighty. Can I tell you the next two children that came along, they knew for sure that they shouldn't have been here. My children know if it wouldn't have been for the hand of God. They wouldn't be here because their mama wouldn't be here. Woo! Can I just walk in the Holy Ghost this morning? Is that all right? Ask your neighbor this morning, how bad do you want it? You got to come out of that cave. There's a little house for sale out in South Anderson off of Alliance Road. It was the house where. my mom and dad moved when I was about two years old. We lived in that house when we left uh, to leave, uh, go on the evangelistic field full time. My dad's sister, Teresa, and her family bought the house. They lived there for many years and then they left it. I drove by the other day and uh, the, the house is really dilapidated. It's, it's in terrible shape, but it's for sale. And uh, I drove by there the other day and I thought I'd give anything right now if I could just walk up to that house and open the door and go in. Because I had a visitation in that house at four years old. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I, I went online and found the house online and looked at the pictures. And Brother Kevin, there was, like, there was no question whatsoever. I, I looked at the room that was my room. And I remember laying against, when you walked in the room, I, I slept against the right side on the wall. My bed, a little twin bed was against the wall. So I was facing the door and I remember the night that I looked up and there was a man standing in the doorway of that room. My chest was caved in. The doctors were going to have to cut my sternum in half and put plates in that I would have surgeries the rest of my life for my chest to grow out. As I grew taller and bigger, they would have to go in and do it again. They told my parents they'll do it for the rest of his life. They're going to put pieces in for the rest of his life. And I looked up in that door and there was a man standing there and I was at perfect peace. The man walked into my room and he came over and he sat down on my bed in the right side of that room. He just sat down and he laid down. you Now, it is a shame and a reproach for us to live in an age where we tell our kids stuff like that don't happen anymore. I still believe in angels. I still believe in visitation. I still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not going in a cave. I'm going to tell it. If I had the money, I'd buy that house. I'd buy it right now. I'd buy that house. And I'd walk my kids in there and take them down the hallway. And I'd tell them, Brother Lang, this right here is where the Lord Jesus Christ walked through that door and healed my body. I'd tell them. I'd love to show them. It's a shame. It's a shame how superficial we've become. When our kids associate churches more with cafes and coffee houses than they do angels and the supernatural. if mm. The favorite thing about our church in this community is the flavor of our lattes. We've missed it. I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about the fellowship. I love it. I thank God for it. I love people coming together. Spend enough money to be able to buy our coffee and keep it all together. My wife was telling me yesterday how expensive coffee was to get it ordered and get it here. And I'm like, oh, well, it's just part of it, you know, it's coffee. It is what it is. We ain't going to stop doing what we're doing. We ain't going to go in no cave. <laughs> what are you going to do, Pastor, if you, if, if, if you can't get syrup? There's people in here had bad coffee before. <laughs> are you kidding me? We'll we'll go down here to every flea market we can find that's got coffee sitting, and we'll buy coffee. I've had bad coffee before, and the fellowship was better than the coffee. Come on, somebody, what are you gonna do? Oh God, oh my God, Pastor, what if the grid goes down? What if the what if closer we get to the coming of the Lord? I mean, dear God, what if it tells us we can't go to church anymore? Well, don't go in a cave. Yeah, but she said by this time tomorrow she'd kill me. The Holy Ghost said, what are you doing in this cave? What are you doing in this cave? Step outside the door and let me talk to you. And he said, oh God, what is it? What is it? Was that you? No response. Earth starts quaking. God, was that you? No answer. But then he passed by. And he said, what are you doing in the cave? What are you doing in this cave? Come out of the cave, son. I'm not finished with you. That mantle you've got wrapped around your face, I've got plans for your mantle. I'm telling you, if I've ever been in the Holy Ghost, I'm standing up in front of you today in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody in this house under a prophetic anointing right now, come out of that cave in the name of Jesus. Come out of that cave. Come out of that cave. Come out of that cave. I'm going to tell you what we've got in this generation, in the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to tell you what I know. I'm flowing in the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel it. I'll get to where I'm going. If I don't, I'll preach it again later. But I want to tell you what we've got. We've got a bunch of people that are like Lazarus, but they're only halfway there. They've been been bold enough to come forth when their name was called Lazarus, come forth. But they're still bound in the grave clothes. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And when he did, he sat up from that grave. But the Bible said he was still wrapped up in grave clothes. And he had to be loosed and set free. Listen, just because you're alive don't mean you're living. Right. That's right. Yeah. He's walking in what's going to make him money for the rest of his life and feed his family. He's walking in what belongs to him rightfully. When his father dies and, 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 and draws his last breath, all of these cattle, all of these plows, all of this property, everything's going to be his. And he's comfortable. He's comfortable. Can I say that a thousand times? I said he's comfortable. He's walking in the comfort of knowing that I'll be walking on this land for a long time. But the Holy Ghost said, don't let your feet get too attached to this property, boy. You know what the problem is? In this society, there's too many people that said they've taken up their cross and followed after him. And that's okay as long as they can walk in their inheritance. I'm comfortable here. This is what belongs to me. This is how it happens. Listen, I'm going to tell you at some point, it's going to get uncomfortable to serve the Lord. We're North American, so we don't understand that. But at some point, it's going to be uncomfortable for us to be led of God and to be used of God. I'm walking in my inheritance. This is what I need. Oh, God. He's got this. He's going to take care. Of me. What am I going to do? Woo! Here's my inheritance. And all of a sudden, as he's walking along, he feels this poof. What was that? And he looks up, and there's gray hair walking that way. He looks up, and he says, what in the world? That poor fella has lost his mantle. He threw it on me. I better get it back to him. And he takes off running after him. He says, Hey, does this belong to you? Is this is this here your mantle? And he, he looked at him. Kissed him and he said in verse number 20. He said, Let me, I pray thee. Kiss my father and my mother. Then I'll follow thee. He said, Go back. I don't care. What have I done to you? It's like Elijah's not real welcoming. I don't care. Go back. Just curious. We read this passage together. Did anybody see where Elijah, it was his idea to say, hey, come follow me. The call was in the mantle. It was in the dress rehearsal. The call came when it hit him. Boom. He comes running after him. He said, I don't know much about you. I don't know much about this ministry, but I do know this. Whatever it was, I felt it's worth following. Oh, you're welcome. I could preach that for a while. I said, what I felt is worth following. At some point, you got to make up in your mind, this is real or it's not real. And if it's real, it feels good enough to follow. He said, well, can I go back and kiss my mom and dad goodbye? Do you understand what he's saying in this passage? He's saying, I believe in this so much that I'll walk away from my inheritance. I'll walk away from what's comfortable for me. And I'll pursue after a call that you never even gave me. He said, I don't care. Go back. And so he goes back. And the scripture said in 21. That he took a yoke of oxen. His inheritance. And he slew them. And he boiled their flesh. Then he took the instruments of the oxen. He burned them up. He gave to the people and they did eat. Listen, I'm going to tell you what I know. If this boy is old enough to be plowing by himself in the field and have authority over the instruments and the oxen, that means his father was also in a place of transition where he was about to be done. There are two kingdoms at stake here. Oh man, I wish I had time to preach this so bad. You got the kingdom of earth which was his earthly inheritance and a father who was more than likely gray-headed and couldn't handle the oxen anymore. And he's saying to him, son, lay up for yourself treasures in earth. And then there's a mantle that passes by. This says to him, by the mantle, not the spoken word, this says to him, son, there's another kingdom. And you're going to have to decide which kingdom you want the most. You're going to have to decide right now. If you want cows and plows or miracles and mantles, it's the call that's being issued for today to the 21st century church. Do you want the cows and the plows? Do you want the inheritance of the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt? Or are you hungry for something that's bigger than anything you've ever seen in your life? Because there is a mantle that should have died in the cave. But the Lord preserved the mantle because he preserved the man and the call is coming forth and Elijah said I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm not just going to walk away from it but I'm going to eliminate plan B in my life I'm not going to get frustrated with the prophet and be able to go back to the oxen and the plows that I had I'm going to give it up today and burn it to the ground at some point in our lives we are going to realize that the call to live for God has never really been to just live for him it's the willingness to die for him and to separate ourselves from this present world I'm running out of time I'm running out of time I'm running out of time this morning the mantle gave him a calling that the man never had to man if I could preach this today I'd love to preach it some of us are waiting to get our conviction from the pulpit You know, there was a call that went out to him for separation that was never spoken by a word of mouth. It was the call of the prophetic that was in the mantle, the anointing. It, 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 it wasn't something spoken over him. It was the value of what he felt as it touched him and laid on him. And as we move over for the sake of time today, in the book of 2 Kings, as I come to the place now, he's still following after him. It was several times that Elijah tried to send him back. He said, "No, I where, I mean, where am I going to go? I've already burned the plows, burned the cows. i got nothing to do. i, I got to stay with you. So it comes to Elijah, and Elijah's talking to him, and he says, I guess Elijah knows he's coming to the end. They're getting ready to cross over the river, and he says to him, he says, uh, what can I give you? Ask anything you want. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, ooh, thou hast asked a hard thing. I love this. He said, but if. If you see me when I am taken up, if you see me when I'm taken up, it'll come to you. What's that mean? That means you got to stay with it till he's gone. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? He said, if you see it, if you see it with your eyes, if you see God take me, then it's yours. If you see God take me, then it's yours. So he's watching. Every move that he makes, he's watching. And all of a sudden, they they step across this river. And read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. The Bible said that a strong wind came and blew and it separated the two of them. This is the first time he's been separated. He's separated from him. He said, Oh, I got to watch him. I got to watch him. And out of this whirlwind, all of a sudden, This man that he said, if you'll see me, if you'll see me when I go up, if you'll see me, then the double portion is coming. And he gets separated from him. He's like, oh, I can't be separated from him. I I, I can't be separated from him. And all of a sudden, he sees him go up into the heavens and he stops and he starts crying. He said, my father, my father, my father. There's so much more to this. And that's when he realized that whole ordeal that took place in the pasture field that day was just a dress rehearsal for what God was going to do in his life. And the Bible said that he picked up that mantle that had rested on his shoulders one time before. And he walks over to the river. And if I could say it like this, the whole world was watching. All the denominations were backed up saying, what's he going to do now? And he picked up the mantle of yesterday and he smites the water of right now and the Holy Ghost can I tell you he didn't look for a new mantle and he didn't look for a new way he looked for what had worked before oh I gotta hurry I gotta get you out of here how bad do you want it son You want it bad enough to stay when I tell you to go home? Do You want it bad enough to pick up the mantle when your heart is grieved? Do you know how vexed he was in his soul but he didn't have time to grieve? He picked up that mantle and said if God took him then God's done with him. But I finished my part. I saw him leave. Now God, you're going to have to do for me what you did for them. You know what your pastor's praying right now? God, I want you to do for me what I've heard you do for my fathers. God, every testimony that I've heard, every blind eye that's been opened, every deaf ear that's been unstopped, every dead man that's been raised, if you did it for my fathers, do it for us. Let's stand together. How bad, how bad? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Are you you willing to leave the comforts of your life? Are you willing to leave all of your plans, your hopes, and your dreams and say, okay, God, I trust you just praying this week, try to do it often, very often, praying for missionaries, home missions pastors, home missionaries, people around the world, this is the craziest time in the world to be a missionary, you know it, it's a weird time, I got to praying for them, I thought, Lord, I can't imagine what it feels like right now. When we feel like we, we have no power, we can't even get in the hospital to see people the way we want to. They can't catch a flight. They can't leave. Some of them stuck here and can't get back to the field they've invested in. The church of the living God all around this world today is hearing the same voice that you and I are hearing. It doesn't matter if it's in America, in Africa, Boy. Middle East, doesn't matter where it's at. The voice is saying... Go to the cave and die Let's go lay down in the cave and quit But there is a still small voice That's speaking to the church And I'm going to tell you You can't hear that voice over CNN You can't hear that verse over Fox News You can't hear that voice over Yahoo You're going to have to turn something off To be able to hear that voice. And that voice is saying, come out of the cave. That voice is saying, what are you doing here? There is work to be done. Oh, God. I'm reaching y'all. I'm telling you I'm reaching today for all I got. There's some desperate people in this house that are looking down the barrel of a a loaded gun. There are people in this house today that are looking down the barrel of hopelessness saying, God, what am I going to do? Let me tell you today, if he fails you, then he's failed all of us. I'm finished preaching. I just don't feel like the Holy Ghost is through yet. Come on. I want you to just close those eyes all across this room right now. I didn't come here to sermonize you today. I didn't come here with a stack of notes today. I came here with a word in my spirit. God is reaching for somebody that's feeling hopelessness in this house today. God is reaching for somebody in this house that feels like you you don't know how we move forward from here. You don't know where we go from here. And I just want to tell you this. God's about to give you the wisdom and the courage to let God be God. You do what you have to do and let God do what only He can do. Oh, Jesus. God, release faith in this room right now. I pray, God, for those who are afraid. I pray today, God, for those who feel fear. I pray today, God, for those who are mourning in their spirits. I pray today, God, for those who feel confusion in this house. I feel there was such a type and shadow with Elijah When he told Elisha, He said if you see me when I'm taken up Then you'll receive your double portion I feel like there's a type and shadow there The scripture said that the Lord is returning For those who are looking for his appearing I believe the Lord saying For those of you who see me Who are looking for me when I come back You'll receive the double portion of your reward I'm not looking around me today I'm looking up I'm looking up. I'm looking to the hills from what's come with my help. Listen, don't walk out today and let this opportunity leave you. Don't, don't leave here today and miss this window that God has given you. The Holy Ghost has sent me here this morning to speak to somebody and tell you, you got to come out of that cave. Don't let depression keep you locked up in a cave. Don't let darkness keep you locked up in a cave. There's still work to be done. Come out, come out, come out, come out. We reach for you, Jesus. Mm. Reach, Father. If you feel that gentle tug of the Holy Ghost in your heart today, I'm giving you time right now. If you feel that little tug saying, come on, come closer to me. If you feel that nudge in the Holy Ghost that you've been putting me off for a while now but I want you to draw close and live for me. Come on, I, I know it's happening I feel it in the Holy Ghost It's happening all around this room right now It's that little knot in your throat saying, I don't know I don't know if I can do it today I don't know if I can commit today It's that little pole in your spirit saying just step out right now, just step out right now oh. tears this morning don't fight that still small voice that's been speaking to you since I started preaching this morning you've been feeling you're not here today by chance you're not here by circumstance you're here today because you felt that drawing of the Holy Ghost to come to the house of the Lord that's why you're here right now surrender this morning Lord. I surrender everything to you we got to take our what ifs off the table today what do you mean pastor if you don't hear a word that I've said today I want you to hear me when I say this to you you've got to take your what if off the table and make it an even if But God, what if this happens? and I don't know what I'll do. we got to get back to the spirit of those three Hebrew boys. They said, well, what if we throw you in the fire? Will God take you then? They said, even if. If you throw us in the fire, our God is able, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow. Is there an even if spirit in here today? God, what, what if they... What if they take my job? What if they take my checking account? What if they take? What if they take? What if they take? What even if they take, I'll still serve you with all my heart, Jesus. Can we just lift our hearts, our hands, our voices one more time to the Lord? Thank you for your spirit that's reaching today, God. There is still a stirring in the Holy Ghost right now. God, even if, take this whole world, but give me Jesus. I'm going to keep my faith, Lord. I'm going to be faithful to your house. praying for you today that whatever you have to go through whatever you have to do that God will give you perfect peace as you walk through every door as you walk through that door I don't care if it's on your job I don't care if it's with family it it doesn't matter to me where it's at I'm asking God to give you perfect peace that the will of God is going to be done in your life as you walk through those doors one by one God I trust you that you'll give me the grace to walk through this God, I'm not looking at the what ifs anymore. I'm living in even if faith. Even if it's not the way I wanted it. Even if it's not the way I saw it, God. I'm going to walk through this thing and I'm going to trust you with all I've got. Is there anybody here that will make that commitment today, God? Even if. Even if. Come on, I know it's a big question. I know it's a big deal today. Even if, God, even if. God, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in here today. They sing this song this morning. I just want you to spend time with the Lord. Be dismissed as you feel to be dismissed. We're going to be back here tonight at 6 o'clock for a powerful move of God.